Hey, good morning everyone. Welcome to Anthem. Thanks for joining us today for our online service. My name's Colin and I'm glad you've chosen to join us today for this. Uh, whether you're looking at this on Facebook Live or Church Online through our website at anthemchurch.life, our uh, online host, uh, our, our good friend Jan, will be uh, responding to you in any of the comments that you make or any questions you may have or you want to uh, just say hi, just let us know that you're there this morning. Um, just we, you know, this is kind of sometimes a bit of a one-way uh, conversation, of course, with it being uh, just a, a stream. Um, but there is a little bit of an opportunity for you to chat as well and to say hi and let us know that you're there. I mean, you won't get any extra like heaven points or anything for it, but uh, we just think it's kind of fun just to uh, uh, just to say hi. And I often go back and look and see who's joining us online. And um, it's great to know that some of you who are unable to be with us in real life, in, in person, should I say, this is real life, um, are still able to join us here online uh, on Sunday mornings. And if you're someone that feels like you'd like to make a deeper connection with people at Anthem and you feel like you haven't done that recently, we are hosting groups on Thursday evenings. And we've got a men's group, we've got a couple of women's groups, we've got a, a high school group and a group for young adults in the kind of 18 to 28 range. And so I'd love to uh, invite you to um, check that out. If you scroll down on anthemchurch.life on the front page, and you look under the tab that says Jesus plus nothing, which is the, the sort of series that we're in right now, and underneath it says join a group. And you are more than welcome to join us uh, this Thursday for our groups, for our Jesus plus nothing groups. We would love to have you. And for those of you who uh, call Anthem Church your home church, thank you to those of you who are, who are giving financially on a regular basis and making that personal sacrifice uh, and giving unto the Lord through the church that way. Um, something that uh, has benefited uh, us as a local church uh, in, a, in a way recently is when people have set up recurring giving. Um, of course, that's the, the best way for us to be able to, in a sense, budget what's coming and how, to, how we can continue to serve our community and function as well as we can. Um, and so if you, if you would consider that, if you're somebody that gives occasionally, would you consider um, changing your giving to a recurring giving. Uh, again, through anthemchurch.life slash give, you can do that. And uh, that would be uh, valuable, I think, as you follow Christ in that way, uh, as somebody that wants to make giving a part of their worship and valuable to the local church as well, as we continue to serve God in this area. Uh, this morning, we're continuing with Jesus plus nothing, as I already said, and uh, uh, to read our scripture for this morning uh, from the book of Galatians, I got a couple of friends that are going to help us with that. So let's uh, start out this morning's message, Jesus plus nothing. Here we go. Galatians 2, 11 through 21. Galatians 2, verses 11 through 21. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, let you live, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. 
So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained to the law, Christ died for nothing. Thanks, guys, for uh, sharing the scripture with us this morning. We just thought it would be kind of fun and hopefully break up the monotony of just me speaking to have some other people participating in this. And I hope you enjoy doing that as well. Maybe we'll be asking you to to participate in that next time as well. So watch out. There's so much uh, in this passage of scripture that, um, that I could unpack, but it's kind of the story of what is going on that is fascinating me the most. And we love stories, don't we? Perhaps more than we love, you know, a letter that's two centuries, uh, that's uh, 2,000 years old. Um, but Paul is talking in this, uh, this part of the letter to the Galatians about his most recent conversation and his experience with another one of Jesus's apostles. The apostle Peter, and uh, you know you're you're dealing with these two trailblazing, church planting, kingdom building guys in the first century, sent out directly from Jesus, sent out in in, in remarkably different ways, uh, because Paul and Peter's Jesus, uh, experience of Christ was in some ways really different. You know, you got Peter who who spent three years walking with Jesus, walking with him as one of his disciples, one of his followers, being mentored on a daily basis by Jesus, uh, being with him right up to the time of his death, actually denying him shortly before uh, the the crucifixion and then being restored uh, to his sort of rightful place as a as, to his place as a as a disciple of Christ after the resurrection by Jesus and being restored as somebody that that uh, can have true relationship with Jesus and uh, and then after that of course Peter um, experienced the coming of the Holy Spirit on the church uh, on the day of Pentecost and as a result preached his first sermon, at which point 3,000 people made decisions to follow Christ and uh, gave their lives over to Jesus and were baptized that day. And then you've got Paul, who um, around the time that, uh, Peter, that Peter and the other disciples were following Jesus, Paul was a Jewish Pharisee. Um, he was Later on, he was putting, he was, he was uh, signing off on Christians being put to death. He had a remarkably different experience. He didn't meet Jesus personally when Jesus was walking the earth. He wasn't present at the crucifixion. He didn't meet Christ after he'd been uh, resurrected, before he ascended into heaven. But Paul, this man who was formerly known as Saul, uh, was a man who, according to the scriptures in Acts chapter 9, was carrying out murderous threats to the disciples. 
He talks about somebody who was, who was being, uh, he talks about himself as being someone who was abnormally born. His experience of meeting Christ was so different from the other disciples. It, it, he was, the, the, the book of Acts describes this situation where he was on the road uh, to Damascus and uh, what was called the Damascus Road. And, 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 and suddenly a light from heaven knocks him to the ground, blinds him, and uh, hits him to the ground, blinds him. And he, he's like, he's crying out, who are you? Like, who's doing this? And Jesus replies directly to Paul. Paul has this, this uh, experience with the the ascended Christ um, in a very real, perhaps a more real way than has ever been experienced by anybody since. I I couldn't say that factually, but it seems like it may be. And and, and Jesus replies to Paul, says, it's me, it's Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. You know, if ever there was a, uh, a virtual experience that was as real as the real ones, this was it. You know, we're always wondering how real, are, uh, how real is, is uh, Zoom conversations or, or uh, online dating or virtual church? You know, is it as real as the, as the quote unquote real one? Well, if ever there was an experience that was as real as the ones that perhaps you know, Peter and James and John had had, it was the experience that Paul had on the Damascus Road. And it was, it was that experience uh, of, of the risen Christ that qualified him to be a disciple. And like he was uh, blinded and then shortly after that he was healed, he was baptized and in no time at all he was preaching. He was preaching the gospel everywhere. And uh, uh, shortly after um, he meets up with the other disciples at what was called the Council of Jerusalem. And you can read about this in Acts chapter 15. And, uh, and they, they, uh, the, 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 the disciples got together, the, the apostles got together to decide and to, to work out this issue that they have. Was, was the Christian faith just for the Jews that were starting to follow Jesus? Or was it for everybody? Did, did, did the Gentiles, the non-Jews, so that's kind of most of us who are, who are me and most of us who are experiencing this this morning would be non-Jewish people or Gentiles by their, by their language back then. Uh, was it okay for us to receive Christ? Or did we, in, the, in, in, in a way of just receiving salvation as a free gift, or did we have to go through the Jewish rituals of circumcision or dietary laws or anything like that? So at what was called the Council of Jerusalem, the apostles got together to hammer out this, uh, this question like because the Holy Spirit was coming upon the Gentiles in the same way as he'd come upon the Jews. And so they're trying to wonder, like, is it true that this gospel could be for everybody? And in Acts 15 verse 7, it says, After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us, meaning us, us Jews that were in the room. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. You notice that? He didn't discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith, not by any religious rules or any dietary requirements or circumcision or anything like that. 
And these, the, the verses that our readers read out a few moments ago start out with this later disagreement between Peter and Paul. And it seems that Peter, who started out with this confidence of, of being able to preach the good news of the gospel to Gentiles, is now starting to wonder. And in that verse that they, they read earlier, I'll just read it again. Uh, Galatians 2.11, it says, When Cephas came to Antioch, and Cephas is the other name for Peter. So when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, which means men that came from uh, the church in Jerusalem that James was leading. Uh, before certain men came from Jerusalem, he, Peter, used to eat with Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now, if ever there was a, a group I don't want to be a part of, it's this group called the circumcision group. There's actually some translations of the Bible that even call it the circumcision party. And you just like, I hope to God that's party in terms of like political party and not like an actual, hey, let's have a circumcision party because that doesn't sound like fun to me at all. But whatever kind of group this is, you don't want to be in it. But for some reason, Peter is fearing this circumcision group, this group of people in the Christian church um, that is influencing the Christian church in such a way that they are going to need to fulfill these Jewish rules other than just accept Christ. So all of a sudden, some Christians from Jerusalem have shown up. Peter, who was Peter, who previously would have eaten with the Gentiles. And of course, in that culture and to a certain extent, ours, eating with somebody is, is that sign of acceptance and that sign of hospitality and welcoming. And it was forbidden for the Jews to eat with non-Jews. And so Peter, who used to eat with non-Jews, who used to act like a Gentile and received his faith in the same way that the Gentiles were, was now all of a sudden backpedaling and he's worried about being with the Gentiles. Now think back a bit. We've seen this in Peter before. And if you think back to um, the time when, when just before the crucifixion, uh, earlier on, Peter is asked, do you know him? I've, I've seen you with him. You're one of his people, aren't you? And Peter caves to that, that need for acceptance that he had in his life that he was worried about what people think. And he said, no, I, I've not been with him. I don't even know him. He was, he was concerned and worried in that courtyard that night. And we're, we're almost seeing an echo of that taking place again. It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that sometimes it's very easy for us to fear what other people might think and not be, uh, and want to add other things to our Christian faith so that we look good so that we look like we're doing it right. Maybe even you looking at me as the pastor of Anthem Church or myself and Liz as the pastors of Anthem Church could think, well, do I look like I'm doing enough? Do I look like I'm doing the right thing? I, I hope that we never present that uh, or even imply the case that, that it's Jesus plus doing a certain amount of things. And that's the, the mistake of so many Christians and churches over the last um, couple of millenniums. Peter was living at this point in the freedom, the same freedom that the Gentile Christians were living in, but he's requiring the Gentiles to follow Jewish rules. 
It's just like un unbelievable that this happened so quickly. And that's why I think it's so important that this letter to the Galatian church was written and is part of our New Testament. And we get to look at what took place then so we can say, well, we don't want that to take place in our lives today. In fact, let's just read those verses from verse 14 again. Paul says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, to Peter, in front of them all, and check this out, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Peter was living free from the Jewish law as a follower of Jesus Christ, but requiring other Gentiles to follow Jewish customs in order for them to follow Christ. And that's what's called hypocrisy. And it's been something that people from outside of the church have looked at the church for the last 2,000 years in every generation, I would suspect, and said, because of that, I don't want to be a part of it. And it's vital that we understand what it is. It's even, even for me as a preacher, it'd be very easy as somebody who's involved in preaching and leading at a church that, you know, we are responsible for overseeing the, the finances, the, the rent, the, you know, the, the, the growth of the church, the sustainability of the church to make, to, to, to add other burdens or implied burdens on people's salvation other than just Jesus plus nothing because it would suit us. And there's been ways that the church has done that for centuries. And it's wrong. And because here's how our salvation is supposed to work. Here, I want to illustrate this with a, a little bit of a, a, a visual that I think might, might help us a little bit to understand it a little bit more. And um, it, it, as you start your relationship with God, basically you're going to start with, with this one word right here, with this one act, the act of believing in Christ. The act of, make, make, make it straight, shall we? The act of believing. And it's in Romans 10, 9, where Jesus says, uh, where Paul says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that that's, it's just the believing that's necessary in order to be, what's the word? You will be saved. And Paul says in Romans 10, 9, he says, if you believe, you will be saved. And there's that promise there. That's, that's all there is. And then as a result of that, not, not in, as, as part of the, the, the terms and conditions of this, but as a result of the free gift of God's grace comes in our lives, this act, this continual act and growing act of obedience in our lives. As we recognize in our lives, God, I, wanna, I need to hand this area of my life over to you, or I need to believe what the New Testament says about this aspect of, of Christian living, and I need to honor God in that way, that, that I, um, I, I start to obey God in more and more areas of my life. But here's the problem, that much of the quote-unquote Christian world has taken these two words and has shifted them. So they've said that, you know, you believe and then if you obey and if you fulfill a bunch of functions and if you, you, you come to church and if you give or if you this and if you that and if you, you know, you pay a penance and, and the many things that, that, that the church or Christians have overlaid on other Christians over the centuries, then maybe, just if you're lucky enough, you'll be saved. 
Ashley mentioned Martin Luther last week. I think it was just in the in-person service at the Doubletree, but she mentioned Martin Luther and the impact that he had on shaping much of the Protestant revolution after he read Galatians and this message. After he read this message of, hey, it's not believe, obey, and you might be saved if you fill all the requirements of the church teaching. It's believe and accept the free gift of God's grace and be saved. And then allow the fruits of righteousness to become evident in your life. That obedience to Christ that comes as a, as a response to that beautiful free gift of salvation. Tim, I love Tim, the way that Tim Keller describes this whole situation. And he says, you know, what Paul was saying was not just that the, this other version of it is just like a different, different denomination of the church. What Paul's saying here is that that is a different religion. That is not Christianity. That is not following Jesus. That's something different. And it, it, it looks more like other religions than it looks like the way of Jesus. John, John 1, 12 says, Yet to as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Right there, just, just receive him and believe in his name and you have the right to become children of God. There was nothing else added. Now here's the good thing, that our obedience to Christ and our willingness to give and our willingness to surrender and to submit to the way of Jesus in an untold number of ways in our areas of our lives should be as a result of the free gift of God and not as a burden. We live lives of freedom. Now, um, I want to give a, a, a bit of an example of this, how this impacts us. Uh, a similar kind of a situation impacts us at Anthem. And uh, uh, over the last few years, you, you, many of you know that when we started Anthem, that we were uh, helped and supported by an organization called Stadia. And Stadia is uh, what was called a church planting organization. They basically come alongside church, new church leaders and they help churches get started in the same way that a, that a midwife would come alongside a, uh, a woman in labor and he or she would assist uh, in the giving birth of the baby, but would not be responsible for the baby, of course. And so Stadia, in, in just the last, they're a 16-year-old organization, but in the last year, Stadia has helped plant like 98 churches, uh, new churches, even in the midst of a pandemic, started 98 new churches in the US and 293 churches globally, which is just a phenomenal feat. When, when we... Uh, we're about to start Anthem, we realized we, there was a lot that we didn't know. We, we didn't even know what we didn't know. And we needed the coaching and the support and the help with legal work and the help with um, uh, bookkeeping and the help with setting up a board of directors that will in future become our elders uh, and uh, uh, just, just some like um, fundraising training and everything that we would need in order for Anthem to be, be launched and then hopefully to be moving to a place of sustainability. And so we had post-launch coaching. And we worked out with, with Stadia that the services that they provided for us, uh, this virtual organization with staff all across the country, uh, they were doing Zoom calls, you know, like four years ago. They, they've been like virtual this whole time. Um, we realized and worked out with them that the services that we were receiving from Stadia came to the value of about $75,000. And those were services that were given to us absolutely free. 
It's an incredible organization that, is, that just believes that their, their mission statement is that we believe that we won't stop until every child have, has a church. And they're just committed to creating a churches that families and children can be a part of and can get to know the way of Jesus uh, at a young age. Anthem, we are so privileged to, uh, since we started the church, to be sending finances to Stadia um, as, a, as a gift, not because we were required to pay back or anything like that. And we choose to give back and we choose to be generous um, out, of the, out of the outflow of what has been given to us in the way that they have supported us. And there was no requirement, there was no contract, there was no requirement for us to pay anything back, but we chose to do that out of the, out of the, the, the love in our hearts because, because we've received so much. And I think that's the best illustration I can give this morning, as well as share with you one of our strategic partners, but the best way that I can explain to you how we respond to Christ, how we obey in response to the free gift that's been given to us. Because it's something about the free gift of, from Stadia that was given to us that made it a no-brainer to be privileged to be counted among their supporters. And so Anthem uh, has been and will continue to be one of the supporters of Stadia. And in our lives, because of the free gift of grace that we receive from God, I trust that we will be people that recognize that God wants to build in us the fruits of righteousness, the result of, 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 of the righteousness that he's, that he's put upon us. Hebrews 13, 15 says that, uh, so then um, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. So uh, we, we continue to sacrifice praise, our lives being poured out, our lives being offering to God, our worship, our service, our ministry, everything that we do, not as a requirement, but we offer it as a sacrifice of praise, which is what, what it says, the fruit of lips that confess his name, just the natural produce, the natural result of lips and of, of, of people and individuals that say, I confess the name of Christ. So let me ask you today, what kind of gospel are you living out? Are you living the Jesus plus nothing gospel? Or are you putting requirements on yourself or on somebody else around you to, uh, to, for, for there to be other requirements on their lives other than experiencing Jesus plus nothing. We, we so often want mercy for ourselves and justice for everybody else, but God wants everybody to receive his mercy. And our response to the Jesus plus nothing gospel should be to make that, that personal choice to continue to lay our lives down before him. And I pray that God will continue to give us the strength and the faith to do that.
Anthem, if you're looking to get more involved uh, in a group this week, I want to encourage you to join us Thursday nights, 8 p.m. You'll need to register a few minutes earlier than that just to get the Zoom link. But scroll down to the bottom of our anthemchurch.life homepage and you'll see that thing that says Jesus plus nothing join a group and you can join us. And I pray that you won't uh, just receive God's gift of grace and just leave it there, but that you'll engage and you'll connect and you'll learn and grow. And we have opportunities for that to happen. And I hope you'll take advantage of those. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you Thursday or next week. God bless you.